0: Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women investing in women and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web3. What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you and drives you? Two of the reasons that are very near and dear to my heart is that Web3 needed more women and it was just not user friendly. Each week we'll be learning from powerful women sharing their insights on topics.
1: I guess everybody was shocked that I left Amazon to go to a startup. There was an article that was published, I think it was in the New York Times, and we ended up getting, I don't know, 1,500 job applicants.
0: And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and
1: done that. And CAMs, when we looked at them, only 2% were women. He was a huge fan of my show and he was like a little bit starstruck when he was asked to be on the show. I had this sinking feeling because I was like, oh boy, he's not going to like me after this interview because I had all of these tough questions for him. (laughs) Healing sessions to give you the power
0: to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. The soulful expression that I was seeing and how people were authentically exuding their true self. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. Remember, always look to the sky above, earth below, and the fire within. Hi and welcome to Women Who Web 3. I'm your host, Cam. I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web 3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseuse, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. On today's show, we're talking about building financial and personal confidence in women in the Web3 space and investing in women and Web3. Women today contribute $7.6 trillion to the U.S. gross domestic product or GDP annually and lead the way as entrepreneurs owning more than 9.9 million businesses in the U.S. with over 8.4 million employees. Yet there's this deficit in financial confidence. And researchers and wealth managers across the globe suspect that this is due to systemic and cultural narratives that still prevail today that took the decision-making and power out of women's hands. Men were traditionally recognized as the breadwinners and the people who managed the money. Women weren't trusted with it. However, today, women drive the economy, accounting for 70 to 80% of consumer purchasing, according to Bloomberg data, and women control the majority of purchasing power. Yes, girls, you heard that right. We have the power. To combat this gap in financial confidence, an important first step is to really educate women and build financial literacy with them and have open and honest conversations about money, income, and building wealth. I used to be an advisor for the TRIO student support program. And a lot of my students, they didn't know how to build credit. They didn't know how to take a credit card out, for example. And then when I lived in Madrid, Spain in 2017, I remember experiencing a ton of culture shock. Most was pretty welcome, including discussions about salary, because by discussing salary so openly, I was able to ensure that I was being paid the same amount as my male counterparts, which doesn't exist here in the United States, is very hush-hush. And we can and will remove cultural and systemic stigma by having conversations about money and making it welcome and commonplace, especially among women. We can actively contribute to empowering women with the confidence to take control of their finances and put more capital into women. Investing in women not only lifts women, but the entire economy. This week, we have the perfect guest to talk about Web3 Women and Building Wealth. Lisa Carmen Wang is the founder and CEO of Bad Bitch Empire, a global investment collective building unapologetic worth and wealth for women. She is a four-time USA national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast, serial entrepreneur with Exit. That means she sold a company successfully international speaker and host of the Bad Bitch Empire podcast. Lisa is an executive board member of Fast Company and has been recognized as Forbes 30 Under 30 Venture Capital and Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women. Lisa Carmen Wang has coached 100,000 women and more to build financial and personal confidence. Welcome, Lisa Carmen Wang. Thank you. I'm
1: super excited to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you. I wish you guys could see, maybe you'll see in the video, but she has some badass glasses on right now. Super awesome. Lisa, you have accomplished so much. Wow. National, like Hall of Fame gymnast. That's incredible already. And you still continue to accomplish, achieve, inspire. What gets you up in the morning?
1: You know, from a very young age, I've always just had this. Feeling, and I don't know where it came from that I was meant to create a really big impact. And it's interesting because I am naturally a very, very intense introvert. And as an entrepreneur, I had to learn how to break out of that shell and really learn how to speak on stages and sell and talk about my vision and rally the community around it. I felt like I was here to make an impact when i really started my career on wall street and in then took the leap into startups and tech and venture capital and experiencing that male dominated landscape as a young woman of color and that's when i really found the experienced the pain and through that pain found my purpose and so this mission and this purpose to empower women to close the wealth and funding gap it gets me up every morning and it forces me to get out of my comfort zone. And there are so many times I think that people don't see behind the scenes of just like how difficult it is to be a leader out front, right? To constantly be strong, especially as a woman, when there's just, there's so many things, in the background, you know, and, and you're, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's fatigue. And you have to still keep going out there and just putting a smile on your face and saying, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep breaking barriers. And I think that what I realized that anything that is worth doing, it doesn't come easy. There's a lot of difficulty behind that. And I think that every morning though, what does get me up is remembering that I've worked really hard for certain skills. I also have certain talents that I've cultivated and I did those for a reason so that I could help other people so that I could leverage those skills into creating the impact that I needed. And I think along the way, it's those individual women who say, you know, thank you so much. And if you, you motivated me, you inspired me today, you helped me take that action towards my dream. And it's those little things that keep me going in those moments of difficulty too.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. That's so powerful. I really feel that I'm an introvert as well. <laughs> and sometimes you have to rally when you're not feeling it on those days, you really have to rally. And some days my confidence is through the roof. And some days I want to hide under a rock or my (laughs) bed or (laughs) cuddle up with Netflix and my dog. Just wow. What a beautiful motivation. It seems like a little thing, but those little things are so huge. When one woman comes up to you and says, Hey, you motivated me to take control of my finances. You motivated me to purchase. and, And if you motivated me to leap outside of my own comfort zone." So before this podcast started, I asked Michelle, my producer, like, can I say bad bitch on the podcast? And she was like, heck, yeah, I really want to know, like, what does Lisa think about bad bitch? Why bad bitch? Explain this to us and the women listening. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of negative connotations, but women over the years have taken this word and really empowered it. Some of my girls, like, I'm like, hey, bitch, what'd you do last week, you know, (laughs) and I just want to know from your words, what is a bad bitch? Why do I want to be one?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So the definition is a woman who takes charge of her body, her boundaries, and her bank account. And I took this term and turned it into something that was really empowered for this vision that I had. And I started writing a book and I got a book deal about two years ago to write the bad bitch business bible and that book will be coming out next year so exactly a year from now it is the thesis of that book and of that bible is starting with breaking free of good girl brainwashing and good girl brainwashing are all of the societal messages that tell you you need to be polite and pleasing and perfect and obedient and a nice girl for people to like you i grew up as a good girl i got Gold medals as a gymnast. I got straight A's. I listened to my teachers, my coaches, my parents' authority. And when I started my career in corporate finance, I was still a good girl. I was working for my primarily male bosses and I did the right things. I worked really hard. I followed instructions. And there's a certain point in every woman's career that you realize that being a good girl gets you the job. But being the good girl also is the one who gets the coffee. And if you want to get the bag, you got to become a bad bitch. And (laughs) being a bad bitch then also means being able to take up space, to own your voice, to command your value and your worth, and to walk away from those opportunities that do not recognize your value and worth because a bad bitch always has options. And so there is exactly that negative connotation that what I think of as the bastardization of language in that there are so many words that are negative, right? And it's like, why do we make feminine words negative? You might say that a bitch is someone who's cold and snarky and rude, but we're saying, no, a bad bitch is someone who you might think is rude, but that's because you're not used to a woman who says, I'm not gonna put up with your bullshit. I know my values. Yes. I know my worth, and if you don't see that, there's definitely going to be another option, another opportunity that does.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, so much yes, A million. Yeses. Lisa, incredible. It felt like a mic drop at the end. <laughs> at the end of what you were saying. I want to get in to more of the granular details of what you were talking about. You mentioned so many themes: brainwashing, "Good girl," being molded. Say a woman comes up to you, Lisa. She's just a victim of this mold, and this cultural, all these microaggressions of molding of women into this good girl, getting the coffee and not the bag. What are the steps that you take her through to help her know her worth and to get her to that space of having personal confidence?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's multiple steps. The first thing is every woman that I work with always starts off by taking the radical self-responsibility pledge. And that is saying that you take radical responsibility for your life, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, because even though a lot of situations may not be 100% your fault, you are 100% responsible for the way that you respond to a situation So you might be in an extremely, you know, toxic environment or people are telling you you're a certain way. They might be mean to you, but you have responsibility in that moment to decide, am I going to allow these words to affect me? Am I going to react in a way that's fearful or scared or against my values? And so when you take radical self-responsibility, you are saying to yourself, I'm going from victim to heroine. I am taking control of my story. For example, like if you are in a place where you're in a lot of debt, right? The victim mode says, poor me. Why do I have it so hard? Why am I in debt? It's not fair. You could keep going down that route and then even creating these false financial mindsets that say, well, I don't like rich people. Like, People who have wealth are bad people because now you're just making yourself feel better and that's the victim mode and that's the opposite of radical self-responsibility. So the first thing is trying to look objectively at your situation and saying, okay, I'm going to take full responsibility for this. The situation might suck, but what is within my control? And then the second thing is to really understand if you are, let's say in a situation where you are going to work and there's a lot of men around and then you don't feel like you're listened to. You're mansplained or you don't feel like you're respected. And the thing is, maybe you're not speaking up. What is the fear this less than desired circumstance? Because sometimes you may be speaking up because you say, well, I'm afraid that they won't like me. Or I'm afraid that if they don't like me, then I'm not going to be able to keep my job. Or I'm afraid that I won't get the promotion. So all of these things are fears. And you need to really dig deep and understand what is the fear that's preventing you from acting in an empowered way, from speaking up in an empowered way. And so I think that's the very first step that we spend a lot of time on, which is like the root of your confidence or lack thereof. There are so many very surface level tactics that people say, like, you know, stand in the mirror and say the affirmations to yourself. Or like, if you're going in and negotiating, do I go first? Do they go first? What do I do? And it's like, it doesn't matter how many tactics you learn if at the end of the day, you do not believe you are good enough and you do not believe you are worth it. And you can't walk into that room and be like, I don't care whatever happens in here. I'm not willing to lose my dignity or myself. And you're willing to walk away. You always have the power. And so I think that's the area in which the self, the authentic self and the most powerful self that we try to bring out in someone.
0: Powerful. Wow. This is such a beautiful conversation. And I feel like a lot of women will be able to relate to this, especially that picture you painted for us, where they are in a situation, for example, debt, and it's depressing, like, oh, this sucks, boohoo me. But then this also filters into other people. And now you're hating on other people, like millionaires. You look at them not as someone you want to aspire to be to get yourself out of that debt. But now you look at millionaires as, oh, gosh, like, ew, They have so much money, they're so greedy, blah, blah, blah. Instead of looking at your own situation, I love that. Identify what you can control, fight those limiting thoughts, identify that fear. And maybe it comes from a place of ego. Maybe it comes from a place where it's not serving you and you need to let it go. I wanted to touch on you mentioned authenticity. And something I saw when I was going through your videos and how you help women was this art of authentic self promotion. And I would love to hear what you can share about the art of authentic self-promotion and how a woman can master it. Mm.
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question and I think it starts with again, let's start with the fear. Why is it so hard for a lot of women to promote themselves? Well, it's part of the good girl brainwashing that says you can't be you know, too proud, you can't own your wins, you can't you know, talk about yourself. Otherwise you're being selfish. You're being egotistical. You're being, you know, whatever labels that you want to put in there. And so we have been brainwashed to believe that there's something negative about talking about ourselves and for fear of what other people will think if we do so. And so what women tend to do, and this is also what I learned as I think also part of my Asian culture, which is work hard, stay silent and let your work speak for itself which as we know, especially in workplaces, that doesn't help when the men around you are loudly talking about things that they may or may not have done at all and claiming those wins for themselves. I think there's a difference between bragging and owning your wins unapologetically. It's like owning your track record, right? So early on in my career, I never talked about being a gymnast. I never really talked about any of my prior accomplishments and it was because I I felt like, well, I don't think being it has anything to do with like being on Wall Street. And then it was only when I started pitching my first startup. And then uh, I had an advisor who was like, why don't you talk about your track record? Why don't you talk about your background? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just don't want to sound like I'm bragging. He's like, but it's not bragging when it's a fact. Right? It's a fact that you spent a decade of your life training eight hours a day to try and you know, win the gold medal. Like That's not something that's just lightly thrown away. And I was like, okay, you're right, but how does that translate into what I'm doing? He's like, well, as an entrepreneur and now as an investor, it's like all of those skills of discipline and focus and commitment through the ups and downs and enduring the pain every time you fall to get back up again, all of that is relevant across the board because it gives you a backbone of strength that you carry into the rest of your career. And so even that became the way that I thought about Talking about my gymnastics career or talking about the person and the woman that I am today, where it's not like, guess what? I won national champion and I'm better than you. That is where it's not authentic. That's coming from a place of ego. But if I say, I was a former four time USA national champion gymnast turned serial entrepreneur and investor, my mission is to empower women. Everything I just said was a fact, right? And I say that with a level of confidence because I know it's actually giving me credibility to be able to share wisdom with other people.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. You said it so, so beautifully. Just you're robbing the world of your gifts if you don't speak about them. I just want to blast all my accomplishments on Twitter. <laughs> These are facts. <laughs> um, I We've talked about so many topics already that women struggle with. And I hope the women listening to this podcast really takes in Lisa's words and sees the power in it and seizes the magic in those words and finds their self-worth through this direction she's given us, identifying what you can control, identifying your fears, growing into your confidence, being unapologetic, you don't need permission. And it does come from a place of ego when you have those thoughts. One thing I wanna challenge women to do is to be brave and to find their voice and to really step into their power as you have helped other women do, those feelings and those thoughts, they can stop us from robbing ourselves of joy not only other people, but ourselves. Join me at Coindesk Consensus 2023, where Web3 meets IRL, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer among creators, builders, founders, brands, entrepreneurs, investors, and more. Use code WEB3WOMEN to get 15% off your pass. Visit events.coindesk.com consensus 2023. So we've talked a lot about personal confidence. I really want to dive into something that I know you are incredibly good at, which is helping women find financial confidence. What are some of the steps that women can do right now to build their financial confidence?
1: Yeah, so you know now that I love digging to the root of the issue. So the first thing is to identify financial fictions. And I think of financial fictions are the stories that you have learned from childhood about money that continue to affect you today. So as an example, I grew up, my parents were immigrants from China and came here with a couple hundred dollars and we grew up with very little money. And my first memory of money was clipping coupons with my mom and going discount shopping and like handing over the coupons and getting so excited when the cashier, you know, the the total would subtract the coupon amount and I was like this victory. And so all that to say is that I learned that Saving was the most important thing I could do. I always felt guilty spending money, especially on myself. And I also grew up with a really hard work ethic, you know, seeing how hard my parents worked. So, usually, if you grow up in a place where you weren't that wealthy, a lot of times that financial fiction can look like I need to save money. I feel guilty about spending money, or um, I'm afraid to lose money and go back to what I once had. And so, as a result, you don't make good financial decisions or you act out and maybe like binge spend every once in a while because you're frustrated or you never invest your money. There's a lot of things, but everyone, regardless of whether they came from a wealthy, not wealthy background has financial fictions and you need to then understand what your financial fictions are and then see how that's affecting your relationship with money now. And so the way I think about your relationship with money, because a lot of us have a very, I would say difficult relationship with money, because if you are at a place where you are not fully satisfied with your financial situation, it means that there's some sort of bad relationship that you have with money. So I like to think, think of, think of money as like a person that you're in a relationship with. Let's say you're like clinging on to money. Don't leave me and you don't nurture it, or you like don't like to look at your bank account statements, right? So you avoid having the difficult conversation and actually seeing how much money you have, where it's going. In both of those situations, like one, you're being avoidant and your money's not going to grow there. And the other is like, you're so afraid that they're going to leave you or yet they're going to lose the money that you cling on to it and, it and you never invest it. If you truly want to create a positive and love relationship with money, you have to Be open, help it grow. So that means like figuring out where you want to invest it, you know, figure out like the love language. It's like, what's your risk tolerance when it comes to these different things? And then start becoming comfortable with the conversation around money, right? And like the sharing of it and believing that it's going to grow and nurturing it in the way that you want it to grow. And so I think when we start thinking about it like that, it becomes very different than just this thing that primarily dominated by mostly white men in media, right? It's starting to change, but from an institutional level, it makes sense why women are not comfortable. Financial and investing education has never been targeted towards us. When you think of female fund managers, so there's $67 trillion within the investment management industry. Women manage 1.3% of that. And so it's incredible the amount of money that men control just from an individual to an institutional level, like the banks, everything else. For women, it's it's not been that natural thing to talk about, but I think that you have to start by addressing the root of the issue and the root of your relationship with money before you can start progressing.
0: I hope everyone who is listening is writing this down, internalizing it, and really taking in her words to look at your money. I was one of those women who You know, my mom, she's from the Philippines. She she migrated to the United States when she was in her 20s. I related a lot to your story. Just there's this rigor about doing your best, about saving money where you can. Discounts are the best. The clearance aisle was the most visited aisle in the stores. That has such a cultural toll on so many women. I think a lot of women can relate to what you're saying. Now, when it comes to money and finances, something that I used to do because I was, I was always in debt all the time. I didn't know how to manage it. Student loans, I didn't understand them. I just took them out. didn't think about paying them back 20 years later. There are so many aspects of money that plays into your ability to acquire uh, wealth, like buying a house, securing uh, education for your family and for your future kids. Retirement. There's so many words, as you mentioned, like financial literacy. Financial education isn't targeted towards women, and these are a lot of buzzwords that a lot of women maybe listening to this podcast hasn't heard before, hasn't thought about. And something I used to do when I was younger too was, I didn't like to look at my bank account. Sometimes it would be negative, especially as a as a woman in college. Sometimes, you know, it would be like fifty dollars, and I'd be like, Gosh, how can I make this stretch for a week? And then there's credit card spending. There's a lot of miseducation about credit cards in the media. And we see women who they have their parents' credit card and they're out spending. And it just seems like the cool thing to do. But managing money is so hush hush with women. We don't see it. We don't hear about it. We don't talk about it. So I loved what you said about financial fiction. That's such a beautiful buzzword there. It really tells the story of women being very risk averse, and why women are this way. um, And maybe why women, even though we are moving trillions of dollars into the economy, we don't realize that, and we don't know. I want to talk to you about the Web3 space and finances. What about the Web3 space excites you? Why are you moving into this space financially?
1: Well, I mean, from the macro perspective, like going back to what I said, we have a system that has been created by and for men for as long as we can remember, and that means that anyone who's on the outside, who is not a white cis hetero man wealthy, you have traditionally not been a part of positions of power and particularly economic positions of power, and so the the fundamental aspect of the technology in web three is that it's starting to give control back to the people. And we know this from even the way, when you think about music industry, right? It's always the, the middleman who takes the, the biggest amount and it's the artists and the creators that suffer. Um, in writing my book right now, you know this same thing happens in publishers. It's the authors who get a tiny cut of the book itself, even though they do all the work and the publishers are the ones who take the majority Of the capital. And we've already been moving into this type of creator economy where people are wanting to own their own data. They want to own their own communities, but there wasn't that technology available to do it. And so when I think about blockchain and just the ability to give control back to the individual, that really is the next paradigm because we have been for so long in the consolidation of the big tech companies who central authorities who own our data and own you know, all of our personal information and our assets. And so this transformation to decentralization, is it's going to take time. I think the technology still needs to progress quite a bit for us to get to that point where it feels seamless. But I think at the end of the day, it's those values. And as it relates to closing the gender and wealth gap, Web3 can potentially enable women to step into their financial power if we actually take those active steps to participate.
0: Yes. And for the women listening, Lisa mentioned blockchain. If you've never heard of that, blockchain technology is mainly the backbone of Web3 technologies. A blockchain is a technical term, can't really describe an image to you, but it's a shared immutable ledger, meaning that it cannot be argued against, that processes and records transactions And this makes it so that transactions don't need a middleman and so that all money, all activities that are moved around, ownership that's moved on the blockchain is able to be recorded. For example, we hear a lot about crypto and there's hacks and stuff like that, and people are so scared of it. But in reality, hacks happen all the time, everywhere, with passwords being stolen on Amazon, for example. There's thievery in your neighborhoods every day, but something that's transparent about blockchain is we know about it and we have the ability to identify it and we can catch people who do this because everything is captured in the blockchain. So it makes everything transparent and it removes this need to have to trust, as Lisa had mentioned, this this mainly white male dominated society in these financial institutions, we've removed this trust from them and put it back into the hands of the community and of women across the globe. And so we just have to be there to step up and participate and have our voices heard in this new technology. You mentioned a lot about investing, Lisa, and I definitely want to touch on that. We heard angel investor, we heard investing. Why is it important for women to be an angel investor? First of all, what is an angel investor? And why should women invest in the Web3 space?
1: Sure. So I will first address the question overall of why invest. Well, you should invest because given the inflation rate, which is increasing, if sitting in a savings account, you are actually losing money because with the inflation rate, if your money is doing nothing, it's decreasing in value. So that is why people need to invest and at very minimum put it in a high yield savings account so that it's even to the inflation rate. So that's number one of why invest at all. The second thing is around angel investing. So there's obviously many different things you can invest in from stocks to startups to ETFs to bonds to real estate to now NFTs and crypto. But in particular, I think about angel investing means that you are investing in high growth, a small business at the earliest stages with the expectation and hope that that startup is going to grow in value over time so that if you put in a hundred dollars, maybe it grows into $2,000 without you having to do anything. It just means that you made a smart bet in the company. And angel investing, aka investing in startups, is the only kind of investing that can, if you make a good bet, could return 10X or more of your money. Because if you think about in the earliest days, let's say, had you invested in Spotify, you know, back when they were two employees to where they are now, your money would be, I don't even know what the multiple is, way more than 10X, 100X, right? That's the power, the potential power of in startup investing, aka angel investing. The other thing in particular is angel investing is one of the few types of investing where you have the ability to invest in the founders that you believe that you want to be the leaders of tomorrow. Because so we're, for example, going into a recession right now. During recessions, we always find that when the the real companies, the ones that have real staying power actually end up flourishing. And so as we enter this period, As angel investors, especially as more women become angel investors, we have the opportunity to invest in more female-led companies, our diverse companies, companies that are actually serving our needs as women. And so for me, that ability to put my dollar and put it to work into a female founder, a female leader that I believe in, who's creating a company that aligns with my values like that's a completely different value proposition in terms of impact and potentially return on investment than like investing in a random stock on Robinhood right it's not personal it doesn't align with my impact i can in in this in angel investing i get to work with the founder you know i get to go on this journey with them and hopefully if it succeeds then you know that's also good for my bank account
0: yes 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 and you shared some incredible statistics about women and investing in money wanted to share another one is in parallel with what you said. The more women who invest in other women who align with their values, the more money that's being filtered into women's pockets and then being filtered into the economy. I think it was like a statistic of like 11% of women are investors. And that means that the majority of investors are men. So obviously they're funneling money into more men's pockets. So the more women who invest, who participate, the healthier women are going to be in this new ecosystem, especially in the Web3 space. The last thing I wanted to talk with you about was your Bad Bitch Fund. Tell us more about it. And then we'd like to also know how can women join your mission or be a part of the 1 million women that you aim to empower to invest in crypto?
1: Yeah, so the Bad Bitch Fund is a community venture fund that's building worth and wealth for women. And our mission is to invest in the next billion dollars that are creating exponential impact for women and the world. And so I said earlier in this podcast that my definition of a bad bitch is a woman who takes charge of her body, her boundaries, and her bank account. And so those are the three key areas that we invest in. So when I say body, I'm talking about women's health and wellness. So any sort of tech-enabled company that is tackling women's health, that is an area that's a multi-trillion dollar business where currently women pay more than 80% more for annual healthcare costs than men do. It's because we have a healthcare system that has not been created for women, where we are 70% of healthcare workers and less than 5% of healthcare leaders. In terms of boundaries, we invest in anything related to community safety and security. So for example cybercrime. And this is something that's coming up in in Web3 even. So it's like women and BIPOC and uh, women are 63% of uh, targets of cybercrime and feel unsafe. So there needs to be more technology to actually protect and make safe spaces for women online. And then finally, bank account. Anything related to economic empowerment for women is something that we care about investing in and one thing that we see is that 42% of women in the world don't even have access to a basic bank account or basic money management tools. We believe web3 also like has the opportunity to solve some of those issues. And so underlying all of these three categories that we invest in, we are looking at different types of technology. We're looking at blockchain technology, so we want tech-enabled businesses that are solving these problems. And so if you are interested in investing, you can go to badbitchempire.com slash fund. You can invest with us. And so you would schedule a one-on-one call with our team to learn more about your financial situation to see if it's the right fit for you. And forward in the future for those who are just starting out in their financial journey, we're putting together a membership that will allow you to learn more of investing and start getting comfortable going through instant masterclasses, figuring out your own investment strategy. And so we think about no matter where you are in your investment journey, you have the ability to invest. And we want to make sure that we have the fund vehicles available for you to invest in, as well as the education and community to do so. So if you want to join the Bad Bitch Empire, you can go to badbitchempire.com. And you can check out our podcast at badbridgeempire.com slash podcast and apply to join the fund at badbridgeempire.com slash fund. And you can find me, Lisa Carmen Wang, on all channels at Lisa Carmen Wang.
0: Wow, Lisa, thank you so much for what you're doing for women, especially with your fund. We will make sure to funnel as many women as we can into your your master classes. I would love to learn a little bit more about the membership and I think I definitely need to join this <laughs> education for your money ladies. Get in there and get your bag. Thank you so much Lisa for being here with us. I've created a meditation inspired by Lisa and it's all about claiming your confidence and building confidence and grabbing Confidence when you need it through the breath. Let's start by taking a comfortable seat wherever you are. Make sure you're safe to sit or lay down. If you're sitting, spine should be straight, shoulders relaxed and down the back. Arms and hands resting in your lap. This is your practice. Do what you need to be comfy. Take a deep, clearing breath through your nose and exhale through the mouth. Two more, just like that. If you feel comfortable, you can slightly close the eyes or you can stare at something in front of you if you're not. Feel your body relax deep with each breath. Put your attention on the body and the breath. Imagine that tension melts away from your muscles like flower petals blowing away in the wind. Feel tension melt away from your forehead, your eyes, your jaw, and your tongue. Your neck melts. The muscles in your shoulders relax. Your back, your stomach relaxes. Tension leaves the hips and it leaves your legs, your knees, and your feet just blowing away in the wind good just like meditation is a practice confidence is also a practice it can wane between fullness some days or weeks and then be nowhere to be found sometimes in those moments we can invite gentleness and warmth through ourselves we can equip ourselves with tools like affirmations Affirmations are typically short, powerful statements that can paint your reality, focus your thoughts, and give you a dose of courage and confidence when you need it. As you breathe, I want you to take hold of the breath, realize it, feel it going through the nose and out through your mouth. And on the next inhale, I want you to close the mouth and just exhale through a closed mouth. This kind of breathing is called Ujjayi breathing, or it's a warrior breath. It energizes the body. It gives you the confidence you need. So throughout the next portion of our meditation, we're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose with a closed mouth. Focus on the breath melting stress away. Repeat these positive affirmations in your head. I am strong and capable. I don't need permission to thrive and be me. My confidence is welcome and contagious. I deserve to feel good about myself. I love how I look. I love the person I'm becoming. My future is bright and full of joy and success. I design my destiny. I deserve to make more money than I've ever dreamed of. One more time. To remember to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, through a closed mouth. I am strong and capable. I don't need permission to thrive and be me. My confidence is welcome and contagious. I deserve to feel good about myself. I love how I look. I love the person I'm becoming. My future is bright and full of joy and success. I design my destiny I deserve to make more money than I've ever dreamed of. Let these words power you and become your reality. Whenever you're feeling like you don't have the confidence, you can come back to these affirmations and repeat kind and gentle words to yourself to increase your confidence and remind yourself that you are a bad bitch. Start to come back into your body. Wiggle the fingers and the toes. If you were lying down, slowly make your way up, with your head being the last thing to come up. If you're closing your eyes, slowly flutter them open. And when you're ready, go start your day and kick some ass. I want to thank everyone for listening to Women Who Web 3, You can find us on the Coindesk Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Cams. Thank you for taking that step and changing the world together. Remember, always look to the sky above, the earth below, and the fire within.
1: You've been listening to Women Who Web 3 with host Kamala Ancantera. This show has been produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is 20-something by Danielle Musto. CAMS would love to hear from you. You can reach out to her at CAMS, K-A-M-Z, at womenwhoweb3.com or podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, Women Who Web 3. Thanks for listening.